quick message before you get into this show from Muscle Intelligence. Me and my team have been working diligently on creating a masterclass series for you. Two masterclasses, one on optimizing the effectiveness of your training, the other on optimizing the effectiveness of your nutrition. We all have the same number of hours in the day, roughly 16 hours. We sleep for eight, we've got 16 hours. People who make the most of their life, who create quote-unquote success, are the ones that learn to be more effective with their time. They don't necessarily do more. You learn to be effective or create leverage. Well, training is no different. People think that people who are hugely fit, they, all they do is eat, sleep, and train. That's not the reality. People who are really fit learn to make the most of the 60 or 90 minutes that they're in the gym or the time that they're, they're nourishing their body. They're learning that, how to optimize what goes into the body and ultimately how their body utilizes what goes into their body. If you're interested in learning my proven process to maximize your effectiveness in the gym, this means what you think about, how you move, how you train, ultimately how you respond and react to the training you, you are participating in, and ultimately maximizing your nutrition. So that's not just what goes into your mouth. It is definitely choosing what goes in, but ultimately how to think about nutrition as a behavior, ultimately how to optimize digestion, nutrition, uh, sorry, absorption and assimilation. Um, nutrition Masterclass on Effectiveness is coming at you next week. Head over to muscleintelligence.com slash tickets. That's T-I-C-K-E-T-S, muscleintelligence.com slash tickets, or you can click the link in the show notes below. Ladies and gents, thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I thought I would film and record this podcast today for my clients specifically and uh, share with the world because it's relevant to everybody. So many of you know that I work with some people who are aspiring to be highly effective in their life. And when you know, 90 to 95% of these gentlemen come to me, they're all experiencing the same challenges and ultimately they're all looking for the same outcome, right? So if you listen to the previous solo cast I did, it was really this like high level overview of what effectiveness is. And so today I thought it would break it down into four subcategories. Actually, there's 16 subcategories that break down in, into that group into four group, four uh, areas each. And today I'm going to cover the first grouping. So the first kind of four sub areas of being highly effective. And so I'll share with you what those are, the four subcategories. Actually, I'll share all 16 areas that go into being effective in, in life, ultimately, right? And being effective in, you know, this isn't obviously a conversation about financial success. This is a conversation about how to show up at your energy best, at your cognitive best, and ultimately at your mood best, right? We want to be able to be confident. So we have emotional control. Um, we want to make sure that we're, we're living from our heart and not from our trauma. And so the 16 areas of human optimization is what I call this. And so I'll walk down this list and it's a great way to just kind of give yourself a checklist of like, hey, how am I doing in each of these areas? So when you come into our coaching community, the first thing we do is we assess you on these 16 areas and we say, well, which of them are opportunities for, for progress, right? So when you think of all of these 16 areas, don't necessarily... Um, condemn yourself for being poor at them. Just see it as an opportunity. And, and that simple mindset shift uh, is a really important one that I see a lot of guys struggling with because oftentimes we want to focus on what we're good at and uh, sweep what we're not so good at under the carpet. And so it should be the exact opposite, right? It should be when you see a weakness, when you see a, a something you're not good at, you move toward it. 
Because if you don't, the weakness will continue to get worse. And I think many men, and again, I can't speak for women, but many men um, have this desire to be really good at something because it pads their ego. It makes them feel good in the moment. And doing something you're not good at makes you feel not good often. And the challenge with that mindset is that continues to perpetuate and get worse because if you're not addressing weaknesses, they just tend to grow, right? I think Jordan Peterson said, you know, don't sweep the dragon under the rug, right? You sweep the dragon under the rug, it starts to, to nibble on the crumbs and eventually that dragon becomes very, very big. And that's the same in, in human optimization, right? So let's go down this list of the 16 things that I think encompasses all aspects of human optimization. Um, and again, I'm not going to get into all 16 areas today as far as depth, but over the next you know, few number of podcasts, I will. And so today we're going to cover the top three, um, but within those three, there's a lot to go through. So 16 areas of human optimization. One, I'm going to put no particular order, but I start with training at the top, right? Training isn't just like weight training. It's it's a lot of different subcategories of how do you move? Um, how do you uh, breathe? Um, you know, strength training, aerobic fitness, all these things that kind of break down into uh, training, right? So the first three is training, mobility, and cardiovascular fitness and conditioning. Those are your top three. Then we go into kind of the next category, which is nutrition, gut health, digestion, and inflammation, energy production, mitochondrial health, and oxidative stress, recovery, and supplements. And that's kind of a lot of stuff in there, but those are kind of your next subcategories. So the top three that we're going to cover today in today's podcast is training. Then we get into nutrition, gut health, energy production, recovery, and supplementation. Then the next grouping comes into mindset sleep, stress, and hormones. And, and those that may be a weird grouping. Uh, mindset, sleep, and stress certainly go together. I threw hormones in there because as we look at stress, hormones is massively affected. Hormones are massively affected by everything, training, nutrition. So I just grouped that there because it'll be a, a nice place to put it. And then in the final podcast, we'll cover sex and relationships, lifestyle optimization, your environment, and spirituality. And again, Maybe spirituality is a weird grouping in there, but I think it, it, it's got to go somewhere and, and I'll talk about it really neatly in that podcast. So for the next podcast or next four podcasts, you can expect me to go deeply into these 16 areas of human optimization uh, and ultimately how to be more effective. So what we're looking at as humans is you're all doing these things anyways. It's already a part of your life, whether you think it is or not. And so what we're looking for ultimately is how am I get, how can I be more effective in these areas? So there's someone out there, some human out there who's crushing it in these areas. And you need to go, okay, well, what does that person do? Uh, you know, and I call this, there, there's four kind of subcategories, right? There's knowledge. They need, to know, they need to know stuff. They need to have skills. They need to have beliefs. And they need to have habits. So maybe you, maybe you, you categorize knowledge and beliefs together. And then you can categorize skills and habits together. Because knowledge doesn't necessarily equate to beliefs, but sometimes knowledge can allow us to change our beliefs. And if you can't change your beliefs, the likelihood of you changing your outcomes is very, very small, right? If I don't believe that something is possible for me, then it's not going to happen. And so step one in everything we do, and, and I encourage everyone who comes into my ecosystem to start this way, is just open your mind, right? Open your mind to the possibility that just maybe... Something that you haven't believed up to this point could be true. And so the thing I say when someone comes into one of my, my live camps or my live events is forget everything you think you know and think. 
because it's what you think you know that will ultimately hold you back. And so if you think you know how to train, I'm telling you, you probably don't. If you think you know how to, I don't know, eat, I'm telling you, and you're not where you want to be, it, could, it can be better. So what these conversations about are about is, is effectiveness. So let's talk about training effectiveness today. Because you know, training is where I've cut my teeth for the last 10 years, actually longer than that. So I started training, obviously, at 15 years old. I'm now 41. So it's a couple of years of experience. Gosh, 26 years. Time goes fast. And through the first 10 years of that, everything was about accumulating knowledge and then trial and error, knowledge and trial and error. I would just like beat my head against the wall trying to figure out how to build my body because my goal was so big. My goal wasn't just to be good, right? My goal was like, I want to be the best in the world. So everything I did, I tested in rigor. I was like, man, I got to see how this breaks. I keep pushing, 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 pushing. And some things worked and some things were complete BS. And so what I realized is something's worked for me and maybe that didn't work for other people. In the beginning, you're like, oh, it's got to be this, right? It's, this is the best way. And we start to realize as well, some things work in certain seasons of life and then it stops working. And then some things work for other people at certain times and then it stops working. So what you got to start doing is you start building this tool belt of, of uh, capabilities, right? Tool belt of skills, tool belt of knowledge, tool belt of habits. Based on what my target is right now in my life, my skills, my habits, and my beliefs may be different. So as an example, for the first 20 years of my training, I wanted to be the biggest, baddest human on the planet. And I didn't give a shit who you were. I was coming for you. And I had a, an undying belief in my ability to do whatever it took. Right? If I had to do five hours of training a day, and I actually did many times, I would. And I would find a way to recover from it, which I, I'm not necessarily proud of the things that I did. But it was part of the goal. Right? I was like, I'm not going to stop. That's how I am now in business. That's how I am now in life. Is like, just give me a target. I always say, if, like, if I'm motivated, you're in big trouble. I just won't stop. Right? And so what I've learned through the years, through many years of wisdom and trial and error and working with hundreds, if not thousands of clients by now, is that everything's just a tool in the tool belt. And nothing, no program is perfect. No program is perfect except situationally and, it, and by someone's ability to apply it or to execute it, right? So let's talk about that. So let's talk about all these different things that maybe we start with high level and go, here's all the things everyone should be doing or at least be aware of and be good at. And then we can start getting to some of the nuance of how to be effective in your training. Sound good? All right, let's do it. So... Most people that come into my ecosystem, or let's say that different, all people that come into my ecosystem are already training. I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you're already trained. But what you're looking for is, well, how do I get more bang for my buck out of this 60 to 90 minutes that I'm in there? Let's talk about it. So the way to think about exercise is to go, f- I mean, there's lots of different ways to think about exercise, but for today's experience, for today's uh, example. Think about macro movements. What that means is if I'm some dude watching you from the other side of the gym, I'm your coach potentially or whatever. Uh, I'm watching you from the other side of the gym. I can see that your, your movement looks pretty good. Like in general, that's a macro movement. I'm watching you from the outside. I don't have no idea what's going on. I'm not up close. I'm just watching you squat, deadlift, bench press. I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. You guys are doing a good job. You know, and, and that could, that could mean you're getting. A passing grade. You're like, I do really well. If you're not moving really well, meaning I can't squat, I can't deadlift, I can't pull up, I can't do these basic 
broad movements that all men and women should be able to do. Um, if I can't do those, then I score less than a five and I should do everything in my power just to get the macro movement up, right? So if I'm scoring less than a five, call it a passing grade, like I can, I can squat, I can deadlift with relative, you know, ease. And, uh, I can do those things without really thinking about it. It's kind of, it's kind of nice. And if I'm less than a five, as I say, then you've, you're, you're in a rehab or a prehab stage, right? So if you're less than a five, you're like, man, I can't really squat, can't really deadlift, can't really bench press, can't really pull up. Can't really lunge, all these basic things, overhead press. If I can't do those, assume you're scoring less than a five and your first order of business is, I got to get there. I got to figure out how to do this. So then it becomes corrective exercise. It becomes high, becomes high frequency. And, and, and the way to think of scoring less than a five is break down the movement into its smallest section, smallest segments. It could be centimeters. It could be inches. It could be millimeters, right? And then, and then which ones am I good at? Which ones am I capable of doing with control and intention? Which ones am I not good at? So where can I not go? And then start training your body to become better at the places you're not able to go. So as I said earlier, like most people are going to avoid the things they suck at, where the first thing you should be doing is moving toward it. So if you're not good at something, if you're not uh, highly effective at accessing a squat, a deadlift, a bench press with, with no pain, right? No discomfort then start there and figure out what's going to be required of you to get into those positions. Okay. So that may be, again, I'm not going to get into corrective exercise today because it's not really my space. Um, although we have, you know, hundreds of videos on corrective exercise, that could be a, a series of podcasts on top. So for today's purposes, I want you to, I want to assume that you're capable and, and listen, be honest with yourself, right? Most people, if I ask most people how they uh, show up in the gym, like, how well do you train? How well do you execute? Oh, I'm good, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. No, you're not. You suck. Right? Be honest with yourself. And I don't mean to say derogatory, but like, if you do suck, be honest with yourself because you can't, prog- you can't progress if you're not taking ownership and responsibility for how you actually do it. So if you're like, hey, man, well, here's a good way to test it. Is my body part that I'm supposed to be training actually well developed or developed to the point that I'm happy with? Right. If I'm not happy with the amount of development I have in this body part, well, then you're not doing the exercise well. That's a simple way to think of it. Um, so if I if my back isn't developed well, then I can assume that my rows and my pull downs and my deadlifts probably aren't great. Hopefully that makes sense. So assuming then that we have a relative fair to good capability of executing exercise. And this is where most people come into my world. They're like, hey, man, you know, I look pretty good, but I'm not really sure that I'm getting the most out of my training. I feel like I work hard. I don't really know. Okay, let's talk. So the next level of progress needs to be, if you guys can do one thing in the next 30, 60, 90 days that will change your life. And when I say life, you know, metaphorically, your ability to build muscle, your ability to change and transform your body. One single thing, it's create an internal awareness. So an internal ability to feel what's happening. And so most people are so disconnected from their body. They can't feel a muscle, right? They can't feel the breath. They can't feel something contract a little bit harder or a little bit less hard or something lengthen. So this idea of internal awareness, right? Which I originally kind of coined way back in the day of like, intention, intentionality, right? Like I want to be intentional about what I'm doing, what I'm feeling and how much I feel it. If you just took the exercise you're currently doing and created an internal awareness 
your your body would change completely if you just did nothing else differently over the next three, six, nine, and twelve months, and and took no other advice. And you just said, okay, Ben, well, how do I actually feel what's going on inside my body? Here's what would happen. The first thing that would be a necessity is you'd slow down because you can't feel muscles when you're slinging weights through space. You can't because you're not working them. So you'll you would by necessity just like slow way down. Can I ask this question? Can I feel this at every centimeter, every millimeter, or every inch, whatever um, unit of measurement you want to use? Can I feel it at every incremental segment? And if you can't, stop and go, okay, what do I need to do to make sure I can? So if you just did that on every exercise you did, what would happen in the beginning is you would notice, gosh, I'm really not so good at this. Two, I'd have to use less weights, which most people don't want to do. Uh, and, and three, you'd realize it's really, really cognitively hard. And that's why most people won't do it because they don't have the, the mental capability to do it, right? Training well is, is not just physically taxing. It's incredibly mentally taxing, training well. So what you'll do is you'll regress the weights. In the beginning, most people don't want to do that, but you do it and you go, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. Here's why. Because if you commit to it 60 to 90 days down the road, Maybe less, maybe 30 days, depending how committed you are and how often you do it. Your body, the way you look and feel, will completely change, completely change. And this is why people get massive transformations when they work with me and my team at Muscle Intelligence, is because we're not just teaching you to work hard. Because if, if listen, and I'm not against working hard, I say this a thousand times, there's other coaches out there who are great cheerleaders who are going to kick your ass and you're going to get really good short term results. But guess what happens when you stop? You lose it because you can't, it's not sustainable. Whereas if I teach you how to move well and contract muscles more effectively, like riding a bicycle or playing a piano, you'll have it forever. And this is the, this is literally the gap that most people just refuse to take the time to do, right? You refuse to take the time to commit to doing things well, right? Why is this the case? It blows my mind that in our society, again, I should just say, no, 3% of people or less are the ones that are going to commit the time. And if you're someone who is willing to commit the time, then you're my type of people. Everyone else, again, wrong place. This is, this may not be for you. This probably isn't interesting to you. But if you're someone who's like, Hey, man, I want to make the most of my time. And I realize that if I just invest a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and, and be uncomfortable for the first couple of weeks or months, then for the rest of my life, I get compounding benefits. So if you're an entrepreneur, an executive, a CEO, someone who understands finances, you're like, oh, compounding benefits. Yes. It's like saving money or investing money. In the beginning, you're like, this sucks. I get, I get no return. Everything sucks. But eventually, you're like, oh, wow, I've been doing this for three years. All of a sudden, like my, my bank account is full. My, my investment account is stacking up. Like, oh, yeah, this is what I want. But most people aren't willing to do the basic shit at the beginning. So then what does the basic stuff look like? All right. So we break this down and we say like, training. So if you're less than a five, go figure that out. Get yourself to the point where you can do these things body weight, right? With, with, with a fair degree of capability and then progressing. So, okay. Then here's the irony of what the being, you know, six through 10 looks like. It's the exact same thing as getting one through five, except on, on the other end of the spectrum. So what that means is once you're able to move kind of, um, you know, well, you're capable. Now it's getting better at every segmental centimeter or inch or, or millimeter, right? So 
once you've got the macro movement, now it's actually going back to micro movements and saying, okay, which part of this exercise can I get better at? So if you're able to squat, you know, ask the ankles and then stand up, no issues. There's going to be aspects of the exercise where you feel the muscle really, really well. And there's going to be exercise, part of the exercise where you don't feel it really well. And I'll tell you where that is. 99% of the time, it's going to be, or maybe even 100% of the time, it's going to be at the extremes of the range, the ends of the range, right? So I need to get stronger at the lengthened position where my muscle is stretched. I need to get better at the shortened position where my muscle is contracted. And if you simply do that, small segments, millimeter, centimeter, inch, right? Small segments. And I, and, I, and I become really intentional about how well I execute in this part of the range. And then I just control the middle. Your joint stability exponentially increases because typically joint, obviously, well, obviously, I'll say that a joint is less stable when a muscle is lengthened or shortened, typically, right? Mid-range is where the body's like, yeah, I'm pretty good here. Like, I feel, feel pretty strong. I got lots of muscular stability. But when you take it to the extremes of the range, joint stability is typically less. So by getting strong at the extremes of the range, we actually upregulate uh, the stability around the joint, thereby allowing us to use more load uh, over a greater range of motion, which ultimately equates to muscle growth, right? Or it's let's say that differently. It's the first step in increasing muscle growth. So when it comes to training then, whatever you're doing right now, if I was standing beside you, my objective as your coach is to make it as hard as I possibly can. Your objective as an athlete is to make it as hard as you possibly can, not to complete three sets of eight or whatever arbitrary numbers on your set, on your paper, right? So if you're training for strength, training is different. Go be, be arbitrary and, and just lift. But if you're training for muscle building, the goal is to make it as challenging to the muscles you possibly can. You guys have heard me say it before, challenge muscles, don't lift weights or don't complete reps, right? So then if, if I said, if I'm standing there, you know, spotting you as a coach and I said, I want to make it as hard as I possibly can, what does that look like? In your mind, you tell me, what does that look like? How would you make it harder? Well, you'd probably slow down a little bit, or maybe you'd, you'd slow down by kind of necessity. Because if you're trying to squeeze something really hard, it's not usually fast, right? If I'm slinging something and it's floating through space, it's probably not challenging, right? It may be challenging in one really small segment, but the rest of it kind of floats. So if I want to challenge it at every inch, then I got to really slow down. So start there. And what this is going to necessitate, what I said a few minutes ago, if you slow down and actually ask yourself, am I actually maximally challenging this muscle at every segment of the rep? What it's going to necessitate is internal awareness. I have to feel what's happening inside my body. Otherwise, guess what? You have no idea if you're doing it well or not. So if you can't feel a muscle at every inch of a rep, you are not building a muscle maximally. So it's important to know that muscles hypertrophy at every segmental aspect of its uh, contractile length. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see me like I've got my fingers interlaced here. And a muscle contraction is like going from this fully lengthened position where my fingers are kind of barely touching at the tips all the way to where they're kind of interconnected. That's a fully shortened muscle. Like I'm, I'm you know, kind of my fingers like interlaced. And I lengthen them and they're, and they're barely touching at the tips. And you can actually hypertrophy every segment of a muscle. And so I need to know then, am I actually challenging it in every aspect? Because my innate tendency is, well, don't go where I'm weak, right? That's an unconscious, uh, inborn tendency. Don't go where you're weak. Don't go to the lengthened position. Don't go to the shortened position because I know I'm weak there and I probably can't control this weight there. So your body just avoids it or you speed up 
So one thing you can do for yourself is you can watch and go, where do I tend to speed up? Because that's me cheating. That's me making things easier for myself. Don't do that, right? Don't ever do that. That's you, you know, bitching out, for lack of a better word, right? <laughs> that's, you, that's you unconsciously uh, skimping out. Now, here's the thing. What, what does that necessitate then? Nothing I do in the gym can be mindless. Because as soon as that, inc- that, that instant that I go mindless, like I'm, I forget what I'm doing, my body's going to stop or my body's going to uh, evade the challenge, right? So think of how cognitively demanding this becomes. I have to be actually present in everything I do. Actually, what? Hold on. I have to be present when I train? I can't just be mindless and, and sling weights like a monkey from point A to point B. No, I have to be present. This is very hard. And this is why I put this type of training up against anyone when they're like, I train hard. No, you don't. Like, no, you don't. You being strong isn't hard, right? You slowing down and moving toward the excruciating, agonizing discomfort, that's hard. Not just like I did three sets of 20 with 600 pounds. Awesome. Good for you. Slow down. Cut the, cut the rep time in half or cut the, the uh, double the rep time, right? And the amount of work is so much more. So instead of banging your chest and boasting about how much weight you use and how many reps you did, nobody cares, right? I often get asked, hey, Ben, how, you know, how much do you bench? Answer, doesn't matter. My chest is bigger than yours, right? Doesn't matter. If that's your goal, like, does it matter? Of course, I want to bench big weights, but does it actually matter in, in the physique game? No. But you'll get strong anyways, because when you move toward your discomfort, when you move toward your weakness, what happens is all of your weaknesses get better and you're only as good as your weakest link. So train your weaknesses. And I'll tell you what, guys, if you just did this, I give you my work. If you just did this, your ability to build muscle will be exponentially different. Now, there's a lot of nuance to how to select exercises. To, uh, how to know how much, uh, how many sets or how much of every exercise to do, right? There's a lot of nuance to that. I've actually got another podcast that's going to come out soon or I'll record soon, I'll record it on how to make the most of a single workout because there's a lot that goes into this. Listen, exercise selection is a, a science and an art. It's not arbitrary. And I should say, when I say exercise selection, I should also say knowing how to program a single workout, knowing how to program a single week, knowing how to program a single month. There's a lot that goes into that because think of the, the potential for synergy between exercises, meaning like this exercise, when I do it with this one, makes, the, makes them both better. And then think about the potential for, for conflict between exercises. Maybe that's the right word, but where they, they take away from each other, right? So think about that. And if I don't choose the right exercise in the right order, gosh, this one, they're both going to suck. They're both going to suffer. Whereas if I choose this one and this one, gosh, they're both better. Right? I call this synergistic exercise. Synergy means like, hey, one plus one equals three. And that's, there's so many opportunities with that exercise that most people just wouldn't know because they don't think about it at that depth. So when you get a muscle intelligence program, that all these things are thought about. Right, This is why our programs are so much more valuable than everyone else because they actually work. You're like, God, I've never felt so strong in this exercise. I've never responded so quickly. You know, shit, because like the order of exercises matter, the number of reps and sets matters, but so does the the combination of exercises really matters. Now, listen, I'm not the only one in the world who gets this. There's there's guys who who coach at really high levels who completely get this, but 
the number is very small and few and far between. And I don't suspect there's a lot of these guys jumping on podcasts or who have their own podcasts teaching about it because most of them are probably teaching at very high levels of collegiate sports or pro sports or Olympic sports. Like these guys are, are the best, right? When they think about uh, exercise, like, no, you can't do that when you do this one. Like I have some really great examples of guys who have taught me a lot of stuff about this, you know, athletics. I'm like, holy smokes. Like I would have never thought that anyone is thinking at that depth when they're looking at analyzing exercise, right? So as an example, my best friend, uh, Andy O'Brien, one of my best friends is without a shadow of a doubt, the best, uh, I think he's the best trainer on the planet. I put him up against anybody and he's the most humble human I know. And uh, when that guy looks at somebody skate, he's already analyzing in his mind muscular balance, you know, side to side and, you know, what their posture is like, what their, their angle of the joint flexion is. And he's like, okay, how do I make them stronger in that specific position? He's looking for, you know, in the way they move. Okay. If I want to make it more effective doing this in the corner or doing this on the straightaway, I got to, I got to make sure he's better here, here, and here. And he's being super selective with exercise. I'm like, okay. So then at, for me, as someone who coaches people in the physique enhancement, how do I take that and apply that level of thought and depth of knowledge to what I do? Well, it's like, okay, let's do a pose, right? And even if you're not someone who competes, just like stand there. And like, okay, based on your posture, based on your structural balance, I know you need this exercise, that exercise, that exercise. Or based on the way that you squat and deadlift and lunge, I know you need this exercise, that exercise, that exercise in these specific positions, in these specific amounts. Right, so your body is telling a story. Your body's saying, "I look at your 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 physique from the front, from the back, from the side." I can go, "Okay, well, posturally, this is weak. Structurally, this is out of alignment. So we need to do this, this, and this." Right, and so exercise selection is complex and time consuming, and pulling some workout off the internet is, uh, I think, about as effective as taking the business plan for McDonald's. And trying to apply it to a car wash, it doesn't work. Both businesses, yeah, that makes sense. Like, maybe you get something because it's a business, but it's not applied to you in your context, in your structure, and what you're trying to do. So, what most people get is they go, "Hey, Ben, you know, I haven't been able to get good results in muscle building in the past." Well, no shit, you're following a plan for somebody else. That's no good. Like, if you are actually committed. To, to changing your life and changing your body, commit three months, six months, 12 months, so that for the rest of your life, you can know what to do. Doesn't that sound like a good investment of time and maybe money? Like, yes, <laughs> yes. I feel when I go to the gym, the beautiful thing about where I'm in my life is I feel so empowered to do anything with my body, right? I can play any sport. I can do anything physically with my body that I want, as far as like making it look a certain way. I, I can really do anything, not because I'm genetically gifted or uniquely capable, but I've trained my body in such a way that if I want to get better in a specific athletic endeavor, that I just do it. I just like, oh yeah, if I'm going to get better at that, I do this because I understand how, how to balance the body. You may never get to that point, but maybe you hire a coach and say, hey, coach, I want to be able, I want to look like this. I feel like I'm weak here, here, and here. What do I do? How do I get better? So there's a lot that goes into training. I'm going to give you guys a few more things that you must be doing if you want to transform your body and, and be 10x more effective, right? This is what we're about. I, I, when I, when I, and this is, again, that sounds like I'm being pretty arrogant when I say this, but it's not. 
most people work at maybe, maybe 10% effectiveness, right? And so when I say be 10x more effective, it's, it's realistic. Like you could be maybe more than 10x more effective, right? Because not even everyone is working at 10x effectiveness, right? Or sorry, 10% effectiveness. So like I was watching a guy in the gym train yesterday. I was like, man, I could help you. So, I didn't say this, but I could help you so much just with like one, two or three little tips. Hopefully we got us in this pocket. Right. So instead of just worrying about like, Hey, I want to finish the rep. I want to do three sets of 10, which is just completely stupid. Just slow down, contract your muscles, make sure you're working hard, contract muscles hard. Right. And it's cognitively just as hard as it is physically. So again, why does that, why do you care about that? Well, how does that transfer into your life? If you can be present through 15, 30, 60 minutes of a workout, think of how that transfers to your ability to learn your ability to be present with your spouse, your ability to be more effective in your business. You can't be present for 60 seconds of a set. Good luck being present in your relationship or your business or reading a book or learning. Like you're not, right? And I think our society is so overwhelmed with uh, shiny red objects that nobody wants to put in time and the commitment to be successful in anything. So start there. All right. So a few other things. Breathing. Breathing is the gateway to presence, right? Present being present in the moment. The breath is the, is the doorway. Okay. So if you're, if you find yourself in the middle of a set where you're breathing fast or you're holding your breath or you're breathing your mouth, the likelihood of you being present is much less, not zero, but much less. So. And again, the, the metaphor I often use or the, the example I often use is you have children like, and your children do something really bad and you want to teach them a lesson. Is the time to teach them in that moment? Never. Why? Because they're not cognitively able to receive learning when they're in a stressed environment, when they're overwhelmed, right? So you can't teach a kid something when they're in the middle of it and you can't teach yourself something when you're in the middle of it either. So what should you be doing with your breathing? Well, you should be practicing how to breathe into your diaphragm, through your nose, calm your body, calm your mind, punctuated throughout your day, right? So when do I do it? First thing in the morning, non-negotiable. When I'm brushing my teeth, non-negotiable. Before every meal, non-negotiable. Before bed, non-negotiable, right? And listen, it can be for where I'm in now, I need five breaths because I get sometimes like, oh, this is going to take so much time. I got so many things I need to do. a minute. I'm present. Feel your blood pressure decrease. Feel every inch of your body. I literally can feel every tingle, every bit of pain, every bit of warmth, every bit of electricity in my body. That's the goal. It takes one breath. Once you've practiced, right? In the beginning, it may take 10 for you to become present. Cool. But eventually, you're just like, one, I got it. So if you can't um, be present in your breath, the likelihood of you becoming present in your body, very small. Not zero, but very small. Um, all right. So when it comes to optimization of training, there's there's two movements or two things we do that are functional, right? Everyone talks about functional movement. Yeah, there's lots of things that potentially could be functional, but the two foundations of functional movement are what? Breathing and walking. So if you're not someone who can be present in the way that you breathe and present in the way that you walk, you will never become present in the way that you squat, deadlift, bench press, lunge, right? 
So start there because it's so simple and we do it constantly. So if you're walking every day, which everyone should be 10,000 steps. And now there's a difference between 10,000 steps that are done intentionally, like me actually walking somewhere or walking for exercise versus me meandering over to the, to the refrigerator to get a snack. Not the same type of movement, right? Not the same type of steps. So not all steps are created equal. But when you do like some intentional, like I'm going to go actually go for a walk, right? Now, the ability to do that correctly is a real thing. There's definitely a, a correct way to walk and an incorrect way to walk, right? And for your body, not for my body, but for your body, right? You don't walk the way I walk. You should walk the way you walk. But there's some basic things that everyone should be doing. And all I ask or I, all I suggest is that you become present. Like, how are my feet hitting the floor? How are my arms swinging? Where's my head in space? Am I bobbing my head side to side? Or am I, am I hips moving? Am I getting length through my hip? Am I contracting my glutes? Am I pulling with my hamstring? Am I landing on my toe or my heel or outside of my foot, the inside of my foot? And so how many different pieces of information, factors of walking can you become aware of at once? Now that's really new for some people. It's not hard, right? But think of in meditation, like if you've ever sat in meditation, I want to feel all, they call it a cloud of sensation. I want to feel all of the sensations at the same time, not allowing my brain to focus on a single one, instead allowing my brain to see all of them. And that way one doesn't dominate and pull my attention, right? I often say if I throw a marble in my back pocket, which I literally used to do when I meditate, if I threw a marble in my back pocket, that marble would draw so much of my attention. I would, you know, if you're new to meditating, it would really irritate you. Like, I got to get this thing out or I can't meditate. I can't focus. That's the point. The point is the marble is there and it just becomes another sensation, just like your feet touching the floor, just like your breath in your diaphragm, just like the air coming in through the tip of your nose. It's just another sensation. And I can feel hundreds of pieces of sensation all at the same time, all with the relative same amount of acuity, right? Same amount of energy and attention going to them. I can feel it all. Now, imagine that when you're walking. So I encourage you to try this. How is my foot striking the floor? Is it heel, outside, push off the toe, which is what it should be? Heel strike, outside the foot, roll to the inside, push off the big toe. Start there. And then it's like, okay, what are my... What are my legs doing? Like, am I getting a hip extension? Is it a long stride? Is it a short stride? And then am I feeling my glutes, my hamstrings pull? Or am I feeling my hip flexor lengthen? Or what is my posture doing? Am I, am I upright? Am I slouched? What is my head doing? Is it, is it, am I leading with my chin forward? Or am I just like, huh? Is my head stacked over my ribcage and my pelvis and I'm like floating through space? Right. Am I leaning forward at the hips? Again, I'm not going to get spent too much time on this, but you guys should think about all these things. What are my arms doing? Are they swinging? Or are they, is one swing, that's very common, by the way, one swings and one holds still. This is very dysfunctional, by the way. So both arms should be swinging, both legs should be swinging, you should be landing your heel, your steps should be relatively short. Um, and, and it's like this progressive falling. It's like what one, and, and by the way, you walk on one single line, like you walk in a police line, right? It's like one foot in front of the other. It's not walking on two lines like skis. Important. Walk correctly. And, and to do that, it requires some hip mobility because your hips will be swaying, right? And your hip, your head should be perfectly straight, like you're floating. It shouldn't be bobbing side to side. This is important. Become present in the way you walk. I become present in the way you breathe. And I've done many uh, videos and, and things on breathing. I won't get into it. But so that's a lot 
that we're covering for today. And hopefully that was valuable for you guys. And hopefully you, you see some value. The other thing is like, in, so the three areas that I want to cover today is like training, which is ultimately strength and muscle building and athleticism, endurance, and joint health, and then mobility. So you can't access a range of motion. Like you're, you're one of these like less than five rankings on exercise. Well, that, that needs to be a big priority for you. Big priority for you, right? And you need to move. And so, so many people think that mobility has, is mostly about muscles. In reality, mobility is mostly about the nervous system and your uh, ability to relax the nervous system and the nervous system's ability to relax itself and uh, ultimately your kind of proprioceptive feedback. So like your ability to uh, withstand the discomfort of stretching is a big thing. But the, the muscle tissue doesn't actually change length. Maybe the amount of nerve system, electricity, nerve signal going there becomes less. Um, and the final one is cardiovascular training. You got to be cardiovascularly fit, right? A big, big one. And, and if you can't do that, your body will always be in uh, hypertonicity because it's uh, not recovering. The, the tone is just too much. And the exp- explanation I give is, um, this will be the final point for today's podcast, is movement in life is a dance between fluidity and rigidity. You guys have heard me say this before if you listen to the podcast. I want to be fluid, right? So as a man of 41 years old, for the last 41 years, I've been fighting against gravity, right? Literally, like my body was resisting gravity at all moments of the day. And over time, if we don't, if we don't do everything to reverse it, gravity starts to take its effect and kind of pulls us forward, right? It kind of gives us this, or the, the muscles of our posterior chain, our paraspinal muscles become weaker, our glutes become weaker, and we start to round forward, right? Because of gravity. And those muscles all from the, uh, the base of the skull all the way to the, to, the, to the bottom of the spine become hypertonic, too much tone, hypertone, right? And by, by necessity, because they're trying to hold you up and they become rigid and it really becomes hard to get my arm above my head and it becomes hard to extend my spine or flex my spine. And so what I need to do as someone who wants to live for a long time, right? Longevity. Uh, I need to be able to move those things well, fluidity, and I need to be able to create strength in that rigidity. And so both of those have to be part of an, of an intelligent training program in, in relative proportion to what you're capable of, right? My work, my mobility workout should not be the same as yours. Anyways, ladies and gents, um, hopefully this was a valuable podcast with the objective of making you 10x more effective in your training. That's just how we should always think. How can I get 10x out of what I'm already doing? So hopefully this is valuable for you. If it was, share this podcast with at least one person you know who wants to get in shape in 2023 and be 10x more effective. For somebody who just wants to get the most of your time, this podcast is going to be useful. And the next subsequent podcast that I released that are solo cast will go deeper into the areas of nutrition, mindset, sleep, and stress. And the final one will be lifestyle, sex, relationships, and your environment. And because all of those need to be optimized to get 10x the results, and believe me, you're leaving a lot on the table. So if you think of it through the lens of someone in this world is doing this really, really well, what is the best way for me to get the most out of my time and investment? It's not just about putting more time in, right? It's like, well, you're, doing, you're probably doing a bunch of crap that you don't need to be doing. Same thing in business. If you have a business and you don't know what you're doing, you're probably doing a bunch of crap. You're like, God, if someone just told you the right things to do, you could be 10 times more effective, right? If you're a CEO of a business, you get that. Like CEO shouldn't be doing a bunch of $15 an hour tasks they should be doing the $15,000 an hour tasks, right? Or the $150,000 an hour tasks, right? Now, what is that? 
Ladies and gents, thanks for being here. Thank you very much to our show sponsors to for making this possible. If you're not already part of the Muscle Intelligence family, Muscle Intelligence community, join us on Facebook. Just head over to Muscle Intelligence um, on Facebook. There's a community there that we'd love to make you part of where we get a lot of unique content, a lot of unique assets to make your life more effective, a lot of unique videos coming out. Uh, if you're interested in working with myself or one of our coaches, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash apply, A-P-P-L-Y. Fill out an application. You could hop on a phone call with myself or someone from my team just to determine if it's a great fit and if you're ready to take action now. We only work with people who are ready to commit to changing right now. right? So one of our commitments in our program is 100% success. What does that mean? Well, people that come in our program, we want you to be 100% successful. That doesn't necessarily mean you get 100% of your goal, but we build it out such that every day you, you win the day with 100% success, thereby moving in the direction of your goal. I can teach you all about that on the call. Ladies and gents, thanks for being here. Thank you to our sponsors, as always. Uh, and thank you to you for being here. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, do so now. If, you're not already, if you haven't left us a review or a comment, you can do so on YouTube. You can do so on Apple Podcasts. Ladies and gents, thank you very much. Ben Pekulski for the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, bringing you the best information to make your life more effective. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. For full episode guides with important takeaways and bonus resources, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash learn. If you enjoy the show and find value in the content, please subscribe, share this podcast with at least one person you know and love who would benefit from this content, leave us a review and support our sponsors. You can see the full list of show sponsors, discounts, and get exclusive Muscle Intelligence deals at muscleintelligence.com slash resources. To join our private community and get VIP access to my master classes, upcoming muscle camps, and other resources that we don't post anywhere else, head to muscleintelligence.com slash community. Most of all, thank you very much for your trust, for your time, and most importantly, for supporting health and fitness in this world. Enjoy your day, and I look forward to seeing you here next week. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.